0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the DH Effect, the Decided Heart Effect, where we pledge to having a decided heart through taking personal ownership, building high trust relationships, and creating a place of belonging. This is what we call the Decided Heart Effect. My name is Sonia Montiel, and I am here with my wonderful co-host, Hillary Bilbrey. And we are joined today with Louise Sattler, who is no stranger to our show, Luis was a guest with her daughter, Natasha, for episode 52, talking about ways in which she supported her daughter's unique talents and perspective as a role of mother. And at the time, we were celebrating Natasha's book, Shit Adults Never Taught Us. And that was a fun conversation. So go to episode 52 if that is resonating with you. (laughs) Today, Luis comes to us with so many other hats, and particularly for this episode, she arrives to us with as the owner of Luis Sattler Consulting and Signing Families, where she is a guide of wisdom when it comes to educational and travel resources, or when we just need to change. If we have to ship, no shift no matter what age we are. That's right. And this is so cool. This is so cool. <laughs> she comes to us as producer, and her and her team just recently received and won. Best Hollywood Digital Series at the Hollywood Film Fest 2021. The series is called The Salon, and she you were a, co- a co-producer of that series. And it's also on your website, so people can check it out. And we just want to say congratulations.
1: <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Well, first off, co-producer, but the producers, executive producers are Kelsey Grammer and Tom Russo. And uh, Roxanne Messina-Captor really held all of the titles of writer, director, and producer. You won't find it quite yet released. It was released just for the um, Academy Considerations, uh, but now it's kind of back in the box because it's look it's in the works for distribution. So we mm-hmm. have to keep it under wraps. So when it is available for all of you to watch it, other than the trailer that's on my website, I will let you know. But
2: It it was a lot of
1: fun. It was, you know, we're we're going to
2: advertise it everywhere. Once it It was
1: a big learning curve. I'll tell you that much. I had no idea.
2: (laughs) Well, and and tell us about that a little bit, Louise. I mean, I, I met you years ago when we were doing podcasts back in the old days, when it had to go through (laughs) the internet and you had to, had to call into the place and all of that, Yeah. but we've known each other for years, but now all of this, like, this is huge. How did you go from you know, educator to this amazing award-winning series? Well,
1: in, in a very short little timeline, I'll truncate it. Um, I created some products. The products kind of went a little viral back for educators and to help families with communication, particularly sign language, and then the safety of children in the communities who were for, had special needs. And that just snowballed and we moved to California kind of simultaneously when all this was occurring. And I got asked to be part of different teams and different media networks because I was growing my own social media base. And through that, I met Roxanne Messina-Captor through a friend. Uh, I belong to a woman's networking group and a friend said, hey, I've got a referral for you. She needs a little help with her social media. We've been kind of looking at your social media. And Roxanne is no stranger to uh, film production or to awards or anything like that. Actually, she is. Uh, she was mentored by Francis Ford Coppola, so wow. we became really uh, good friends over the years. And one day we went for coffee, and she had a, um, she had kind of a production already that had an odd name. It was called White Chicks in the Salon or something like that. The title is changing, by the way, to be more politically correct, I believe. Uh, but it did fairly well. And it, and it starred uh, Shelley Long and it starred um, Harry Shear. And so she's been mulling this idea that she wanted me to kind of discuss with her about what if we take it to the 2021. Mm. And so or 2020 at the time. So she wrote a script and she wanted to include gun violence and things that were important to her, things that resonated. And I by then had met a lot of people in the industry. So we started pulling names of friends and people who would put this production together and make it a digital series. So my job was mostly helping put things together, like how, who's going to do craft services and who's going to do uh, the media and who's going to help push it out on social and, and maybe give some names, like Eddie Buck, for instance, is one of the deaf actors. And I had known him from way back when. So those kinds of things just all came together. And she said, I'm going to put you down as co producer because you certainly have helped. So Aww. I was like, Yay. <laughs> and so about two months ago, uh, iHollywood Film Festival um, listed us as their uh, best favorite winner for digital
2: series. That's amazing. That oh my so gosh. Amazing. You know, Thank what's, you. No, it's so good. And you know, what's resonating with me and it's, it's, you know, talking to you, it reminds me that I've always felt this way too, with you. You are amazing at networking. <laughs> you no, know, you are, but actually, can we talk about that for a second? Because uh-huh. I think for a lot of women, networking is a dirty word. They mm. think of it as they think of it as like, Oh, it's using, which is funny to me because it's like that presupposes you have nothing to offer, right? Like when you think of it that way. But how yeah. do you, I mean, talk to us about how do you get into that zone where you're making these connections and you're brave enough and courage enough, courageous enough to stand in your own skill set? And walk up up to a producer and say, let's go have coffee.
1: (laughs) Well, actually, I I didn't quite walk up to a producer and say, let's go have coffee. She called me, by the way.
2: Right, right. Uh, right. I mean, there's (laughs) just that. There's that. No, no, no.
1: But I'm just teasing there. But the funny thing is that I have always been um, a matchmaker, networker, uh, person who knew the entire block, Uh, you know, I was always the extrovert uh, for the most part. And so when you work in social media, you you put out those little seeds of who are you? What do you do? And if you get an opportunity to meet them in real life, then you start making those connections. So I had noticed when we moved to California that to make connections in this very far state from where we lived in the Washington, D.C. area, that I would need to probably join a women's networking group, particularly if I was Going to be a solo entrepreneur of a consulting group and and an educational group, so I did. And these women were extremely empowering and very um, just wonderful. It's called the Beach Cities Breakfast Club, and they're just wonderful women who support each other, champion each other, okay. and that is rare. I have to tell you that women in business are usually one of two things I've discovered in my six you know decades around the sun. Here okay. is that. Women either champion and support each other, or they scope you out as competition very discreetly, and then they go after you in in ways that are not cool. So um, I'm lucky that this group are champions, Uh, which, excuse me, we champion each other. And it has been really delightful to be, I think, in my eighth or ninth year with them, eighth year, I guess it is. And in fact, they're celebrating their 20th anniversary today. So
0: Yeah, I just have to, you know, sense of belonging, Mm -hmm. finding your people and then and then contributing to it. So it's not just like, let me find my people and then hey everyone, you take care of me. Give to me, give (laughs) to me. Yeah, yeah. But it's like once you find that energy, and I I really feel that there in order to build and continue to maintain that sense of belonging, it is a sense of confidence and energy Mm -hmm. that you bring forth. And it's so gravitating. Like, mm-hmm. I want, what is Louise coming in with? I want that. I want more <laughs> of that. How do I get? And because we're inspiring each other in that energy, it's champ. It becomes championing, champion, champi- championing me. Thank yes. you. <laughs>
1: yeah. we're, we're rooting. Supportive, extra, whatever. Yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. And um, and that then that, that goes back to that that self discovery of well do I feel worthy and confident enough right. to contribute and I just feel like yes. you've kind of mastered that or... yes <laughs> yes and then having to it trust...
1: doesn't feel like that I'll tell you that much I does not feel like I've been the master of championing people sometimes I feel like maybe I missed the mark
0: hmm. but
1: Hillary remembers when we were a women's group on podcast radio way back when that you that that dichotomy sort of existed there were the solopreneurs who wanted to be in their own lane and then there were those who wanted to reach out and and form a network and be supportive so I think you know that feeling that if you're going to be in business as a woman particularly a solo entrepreneur you have to find your posse Mm -hmm. because it could be a very lonely road. And as a psychologist, I'm also a school psychologist. uh, That's a solo entrepreneur endeavor just happens to be in schools because rarely do you have more than two or three psychologists in a building or, and, and so you have to find your network there of support. And that's a tough road uh, because people are so busy and the needs are so great. Mm -hmm. No, for sure. And I,
2: I'm just, Thinking and, and settling into that idea of this, it's sort of a scarcity abundance mindset, isn't it? Really, when it comes down to it, there's not going to be enough for me. I don't trust the process. And because I don't trust the process, I'm going to keep it all to myself, right? As opposed to just trusting in the abundance of there's room mm-hmm. for all of us to shine, right? Right. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Absolutely. And there are, I mean, I've been afforded opportunities that maybe others haven't. Had because of being that extrovert, being that networker, um, being bold. I've been mm. accused of being too bold, you mm. know, um, <laughs> and and I I've worked in uh, when I did my um, doctoral internship, I was too bold, and I think that was w- code for woman who actually knew her crap, you know. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. But you know, I just, I just was like, okay, call it what you, what it is. Sometimes they said I was too New Yorker when I was just starting out, and I was like, what does that mean? That's a compliment to me, but I'm not sure yeah. what it means to you. <laughs> but thank you, maybe. Um. So yeah, so I, I'm okay. I'm okay with being bold. I'm not going to resonate oh my with everybody. Oh
0: gosh, for sure. We're gonna celebrate boldness today. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So you, you have something that we've really loved in your bio. We're going to share that with, with everyone in, in all the posting. And you start with never, ever, mm-hmm. ever, ever stop learning. And I know that we, we think that has to be anchored to a decided heart moment. And, you know, just to remind our viewers and listeners, decided heart moments, we can have many, many of them. So it's not like the mm-hmm. one moment that changed our lives. But it's when experiences happen to us and we decide mm. to stay there and reflect on it and then act on it. Right. And then that action elevates us in some way. And then we start to change. And, and I'm we're so curious about a decided heart moment or moments where it led you to this mantra of never, ever, ever, ever stop. <laughs>
1: First, being born to educators. So that Mm -hmm. may have not been a decided heart moment, but that was a heart moment. (laughs) So um, I was born, my father was a born educator, believed in philanthropy, uh, as my mother, also very strong in helping charitable and volunteer causes. Um, I think we were instilled very young that life is an education. Mm -hmm. The whole journey is for learning, not just the first 12 years or 18 years or whatever amount. Everything is a learning experience or a teachable moment, one or the other. So you either assume the role of teacher or you assume the role of student. I think some of my um, moments was when I saw friends in my college dorm signing using sign language. I was like, what the hell is that? And, And then realizing that they could go to clubs and do this communication with each other and I would know nothing of what they were going to say. And that was not acceptable. So I learned sign language and then I built it years later, because if you're going to do it, you might as well do it. And I loved it okay. and embraced it. And it was my unique, pivotal moment of deciding what kind of career I wanted and psychology I wanted to study and things like that. So that was one of those aha uh-huh, you know, heart moments was that I learned about the deaf community. I learned about special needs. I learned about people who use sign language as a form of communication. And that really resonated with me and to teach others, to teach others. I think um, Hillary and I, we've talked about this before when you're 50 and you hear the words, uh, by the way, you've got cancer. Um, that's another moment. Mm-hmm. And Um, I had uh, stage three thyroid cancer, papillary cancer. I went to Hopkins. I actually asked my doctor who was uh, under my care, uh, asked, or I was under her care, asked me, um, I said, what should I do? And she asked me what I wanted to do. And I said, listen, I want to go to the doctor you would send your daughter, yourself or your mother to. And so she gave me the names of some people at Hopkins and I waited to have my surgery in 10 years. Um, still living with the disease. I've got maybe a teensy-weensy little bit floating around, but never would know when I don't think about it, usually unless I'm on interviews with people who, well, <laughs> you know, who are curious. Um, so those are pivotal moments. And then also being a mom. Mm-hmm. Being a mom is a pivotal moment of learning and teaching and things like that. So I hope that answered your question uh, to some degree and gave you some food for thought.
2: Oh, for sure. Well, and I love, here's the thing that I think is amazing about you is that, I mean, we talk about growth mindset and fixed mindset, right? And, and I feel like so many of us have had to be taught what growth mindset is. I feel like that is just innate to you again, maybe because of the parents that you had, but you are, you amaze me constantly with your ability to learn and your receptiveness to it. I don't know. Remind me again. Is it five languages, you know?
1: Well, at one time, I I dabbled in a number of languages, but I'm fluent in American Sign Language. I have a pretty decent working knowledge of Spanish and English. So three for sure.
2: Yeah, but it just amazed. I mean, and and I know, I mean, like you said, back back in the day, I think there were even more. What amazes me is how receptive and open you are. It's like you've trained your brain to just be able to take it in and then use it. You immediately put it into practice you know, is that, again, is that just an innate thing? Is that, and you instilled it in your kids as well. Yeah.
1: Well, one out of two likes languages. (laughs) (laughs) The other one likes the language I don't speak, which is math. Um, so, but the, I think getting back to languages, I grew up in a home where languages was pretty, um, common in a neighborhood where there were a lot of languages spoken a lot of people in New York that came from different backgrounds i am intrigued by culture and culture is often based with language so I would say am i intrigued by linguistics yeah I, I studied a fair amount of linguistics especially in graduate school but i'm more intrigued by culture mm-hmm. and how culture impacts our world and our globe and how we treat each other and and travel and how that I, I, you know, you dive into the culture. I don't like to travel anywhere where I say, oh, where's the restaurant everybody likes to eat. I always ask people where, you know, you're local, where do you like to eat? Mm -hmm. And where do you like to go to? Which museum would you go with your family? I mean, it's fine to go to the Louvre, but what, which museum in Paris do you want to go to on a weekend? And I think that's when you get a real sense of where you're visiting and, and the language and the culture. So yeah, and my daughter and son both now have wanderlust. They travel all the time, especially even during COVID. my daughter is is about ready to embark on a big trip. So,
0: yeah, the culture that you created within your your family oh, okay. thirst mm-hmm. of and, and it's a thirst of curiosity. Too. I was thinking the same. Word. Okay, yeah, yes. I'm taking that one. Yeah, um, you can take it. Yeah. <laughs> but I think what's really what's really awesome about you oh. is that it doesn't stay there. Mm-hmm. Uh, this. Uh, the bridge, the connection of how do I build community with this mm-hmm. curiosity that I have and with with your consulting, you've connected you know um, the deaf community and your love for travel and culture and you you advise families who have you know um, hearing disabilities I don't know if that's the right word, but you you help them design an experience where they can truly chase their curiosities about, culture and what's going on globally. Can you talk more about that decision of when you said, well, this is cool for me, but I wanna share this. How did you come to that? Uh, well, I, when I work within
1: the deaf community, it was as a psychologist, but keep in mind that children who have hearing loss um, don't necessarily live in the deaf community. So I'm gonna do a little backup. We refer, uh, when, you, when you learn about the deaf world, there's a big D and a small D, mm-hmm. big D E-A-F means that you're culturally aligned with the deaf world. It is your culture. It is your language. ASL is, is typically the language. Um, although with the cochlear implant, things are getting a little bit uh, skewed or muddied or you know less defined, I should say. That's probably the best term. And then small D means that you're physically deaf, mm-hmm. such as someone who is in 30 years old, gets meningitis, becomes deaf, but still has maintained speech. So there are different um, kind of tiers of what deafness looks like. I actually, although I love working within the deaf community, I also have a big heart for the autism community. And a great number of people in the autism community use sign language instructionally for their children and to help with communication. And where I think my heart has led recently is after 9-11, another pivotal moment, realizing that my deaf friends and people who had special needs were very much challenged on their safety during the tragedies of 9-11. Like imagine being in Washington, D.C. and just seeing chaos and no one's taking the time to sign to you or know sign language or to write or to give you directions as to what to do. And that was unacceptable for me. So that's when I started to create programs, speaking and products to help with that so called bridge, mostly out of concern for the people who I cared about and have been working for. And that led me to the road that I'm at now as an entrepreneur and, and getting to know a much larger community. <clears throat> Excuse me. So I think that. Um, Being just in the deaf community is probably uh, a small amount or a a slice of what I do, but also how that translates to other communities that are in, in need of a voice. And I'm happy to share that. And also to show people that special needs people also need special considerations when they travel, but they still can travel. They just travel differently or uniquely. And they still can have experiences in the theater just uniquely or differently. So all the things that I enjoy, I want all of my friends who either cannot hear or have have sensory challenges to to be able to access and to be included. And that's kind of where my mission is these days.
2: She's so aligned with your sister. I'm thinking of, right, Sonia's twin. Oh, twin. Yeah. yeah.
0: So and and she um combine she does information design um in emergency management situations. So uh, we're actually gonna have her team in a future episode talk about visual cues in the state of like panic. Um, well not- I not- actually not- have
1: I could show you something, but I didn't know if it was sure, go for <laughs> it. Okay. I don't know. So with COVID, well, here I'll back it up after 9-11. I was asked to create this by EMTs who took my sign language class. It also comes with Chinese. And so it's sign language, English and Spanish, and then the letters of the alphabet. Wow. I put this inside of a DVD I made or sold it separately. And I have to tell you that it helped put two kids through college. It did really well, but that wasn't the intent, but people loved it. And they were like, we could put that in our pocket. But after COVID, hit. I realized that what if you are sick and you're deaf or your child is deaf? Something like this. Mm. Amazing. Oh my
2: god! So what you're holding uh, up for those who are listening, tell them what you're holding up.
1: Oh, I am so sorry. I forgot we're also just only podcasts. It's emergency communication charts that wow. include pictures of mm-hmm. sign language and the words that the signs are for, mm-hmm. as well such as, as can be pointed to such as are you deaf hearing. Are you here for a COVID vaccine? Yet the words, yes, no, maybe, and help, and then call 911, and then the letters of the alphabet and some other uh, keywords that physicians. It is never, and uh, I always put it out there, none of my products are to substitute any kind of interpreter service. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There to be the very quick communication until that interpreter arrives or the communication online is set up.
0: I think, wow, I'm just blown away because... You are constantly defining not what you know people want or what's, it, but the needs mm-hmm. and always asking the question is who's missing? Mm-hmm. Who's not included yeah. in in whatever? And then of course the pandemic, who's not included in all the things that we're hearing about resources? And I'm just so blown away and inspired by just that action that you took um, to say, here, here's one thing, like one flyer that you can put in your purse to make sure that everyone's safe and everyone's needs are taken care of.
1: I'll tell you something though frustrating about this is that I have it for free. You could download it or I had it for free until I made hard copies Um, and very few people took advantage. I put it out there, I had other people put it out there, very few downloads. Mm
0: -hmm. And
1: so it was a resource and I'm not quite sure where I missed the mark Mm -hmm. um, because the other one did very well when I put it out there. Maybe it's the time, the situation or just that there's competing things now like apps and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um it's maybe a different tone, but if yeah, so if anyone has suggestions or or if you have questions, by all means, you know, hit me up there with with some information. I'm still learning. I'm on that curve of stuff. Uh,
2: you know what I wonder, Louise, as you're talking about that, the the exceptional thing about the pandemic is that it impacted everyone. And mm-hmm. so to and to some degree, I wonder if They're just the capacity for many people was about self-survival. And so the thought of how I can help someone else isn't even there because there, it's just like, how am I going to survive? How am I going to keep my family safe? Plus we've seen this really interesting shift right now. I mean, it it is the last two years to me have felt very me centered. Um, And again, maybe it's just that reaction to the pandemic um, and, and to that survival thing. But a lot of people, it feels like, are focused on getting their opinion out and, you know, them being okay versus having these conversations where they learn about the other person and try to be of service. I don't know. Do you think I'm crazy in saying that?
1: No, I think there, again, are two two kinds of ways that people approach the pandemic. Some of them became very introverted or very home-based. Well, we all became home-based. Yeah, <laughs> I, think, I think some of us became um, uh, a need of survival, like you said, but also a need of just deleting things that, that didn't matter and really taking a look at yourself. And, you know, there were, I've noticed that there were um, friendships that sort of, oof, you know, like you don't see them on a regular basis. So, you know, out of sight, out of mind. Uh, that kind of thing. And, or that because you've shifted in your own careers, as a result, people, certain groups don't matter anymore. And that's okay. You know, we all go through these stages. The second is the helpers, the people who are looking to keep the brain moving, as well as keeping themselves embedded in the community, even though you can't physically be in the community. Mm -hmm. And I've, Believe it or not, vacillating between the two, mm-hmm. because there are times where I just want to shut it all off and and not deal with drama, and there are times where I'm like, okay, what do you need? I'm here, you know, and I think a lot of people do that. They go based on day to day or the needs or the temperature to hour, hour, <laughs> yeah, the hour. The 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 literally, you were I, you know, you're looking at the news and you're thinking, whoo what am I going to be today? Right. And like yesterday was what national dog day and everyone's posting their dogs. And I posted my dogs, you know, and, but then I, I put up a post on Instagram and then I took it down because I felt like it was very strange. And I remarked, it was very strange to say happy national dog day when our military and all these innocents in Afghanistan were blown away mm-hmm. literally. Yeah. And I thought this is, this is, cognitive dissonance in my brain. I can't be happy and I can't be mourning their loss and sad and, and just fearful of what's going to be possibly next and feeling at a loss of, I can't help anyone in this situation. Mm. So I took it down. It just didn't resonate. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, and, and I, that, that's just kind of where I was at yesterday. So back and forth, Mm. you know, with the moods,
2: It's interesting because I I love the fact we were just talking about this this week, the idea of really sinking into your body and trusting the instinct Mm -hmm. of when it's, I mean, that resonance, we talk about it as if it's out here, but it's not, it's in here, right? You actually can physically feel when something is right. And is your truth and when it doesn't fit with where you are and listening to that and trusting your instincts Mm -hmm. is so important. You know, I, one of the things that I'm, as I'm listening to you that I would love, I mean, honestly, I've wondered this about you for years, (laughs) woman. Do I sleep? Is that the question? I mean, (laughs) it was kind of, I was sort of (laughs) going there because I'm like, you do so many important, I mean, you have the psychology degree, you have your consulting, you do your producing, you still, you're networking, you're still helping Natasha. You still like, you're an amazing mother. Like how in the world do you do all of these things and do them well?
1: Well, I would debate whether I do them well. <laughs> um, I don't like to be bored. Mm-hmm. I don't like to sleep. I used to be sleeping when my parents would check on me. I'd run, <laughs> and I could hear them come up the stairs, and I'd be like, and now that I've outed it 60 some years later. Um, but I just don't like to be bored. And I like to be project oriented, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So I can't just watch TV, I have to watch TV and be doing something else. Mm -hmm. I think um, having semi-undiagnosed attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, uh, you know, I'm the adult poster child for ADHD, which really bodes well when you're a psychologist, because people say, have you ever heard of this? And I'm like, "Mm." (laughs) Yes. Um, Let me introduce you. <laughs> <laughs> this is what it looks like. Uh, can be a blessing.
2: It is. It's a super It can be a blessing
1: because when you're an adult, not so much when you're a kid and you have to stay in the seat. I can't right. tell you how many times I got in trouble. Sorry, mom. But I, got, right? I, I spent a lot of time looking at corners or being set off or I was always sent to do an errand. I had some really great teachers, you know, who would say, oh, errand time, you know, Louise, do this. But yeah, I think to answer your question, having an an attention issue, which I've really kind of been able to morph into more of just an energy booster, um, has helped me. And I've also learned strategies of how to stay organized and to keep those things flowing. Um, and I'm not always perfect. And I don't always do it well. And sometimes I really suck at it. So,
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah, but just the just that, you know, I'm just good at faking it. Well, you show you show up and like, you right. know what? I'm showing up. Don't know how yeah. far I'm going to go. And then there's days like, dang, I'm, I'm pretty great at this. And thank God I showed up. And others, it might be like, could have done better, but whatever. I showed up. And the, the result of all of that over and over again is absolute brilliance. Because, I mean, that's how you're portraying yourself, to, at least to us. And I'm sure the people that you have served is wow. Right. You know, and we don't, no one sees the oops. I messed up back there. <laughs> don't look right. we don't see it, you know?
1: Well, the other thing though, I will tell you is that after you have cancer and especially serious kind of cancer and go through serious surgery. And in my case, from time to time, I literally lose my voice. I cannot speak. It's altered the way my career has been. Um, I think what you do is you take on a, I don't give an F attitude sometimes, (laughs) quite frankly, Uh because it's like, I'm going to try it. I want to have fun. Come along for the ride. Don't come along for the ride, whatever. Uh You know, if you look tired, like I do, because I've been, you know, traveling and a little, you know, sniffly, so be it, you know, it it is what it Uh And if you're going to spend all your time on how you look and how you present and how you do this and how you do that, and not be happy with who you actually are at that moment, then you're going to miss a lot of opportunities is my yeah. philosophy. So yeah. don't don't hurry up and wait. Uh-huh. Just go for it.
0: And with that, coupled with that, because we do have to end somehow. No! We have to. I know, I'm sorry, Hillary. <laughs> we have to, but I do <laughs> want to leave our audience and listeners with something that you've shared with us. It is, you know, you, it's such a great balance cause you shared about like sense of self and what can I do with that time? And you know, how how do I show up? But then you have this um, this Hebrew saying mm. for repairing the world. Can you just share what that mm-hmm. saying is and why that's important to you? And then we can-
1: It's go. tikkun olam. And tikkun olam means to repair the world in Hebrew. It's what I would like to think is my mantra or philosophy or what I want to pass down as a legacy. Mm -hmm.
0: Um,
1: And truly, tikkun olam is what we need now more Mm -hmm. than ever. We need to repair our communities, our families, our own selves, and well beyond the walls of where we live. So I just, I just think repairing the world is important in little things, The two dollars you could give to a shelter, the, you know, helping an animal, uh, you know, by adoption uh, or the bigger picture, you know, sending money to organizations helping Haiti or, you know, helping with the Afghanistan uh, issue, the conflict that's going there, whatever, whatever it is, you know, you know, helping with green keeping the world ecologically wonderful, whatever it is, whatever resonates with you that repairs the world is what I think should be our legacy.
2: I know that's so beautiful. And just a reminder too, that, that sometimes that is as simple as holding space for somebody who needs you to listen. I mean, there's, and beyond that as well, but we don't know the power that that can often have the people that are holding so much inside Uh, You're so good at all of that. And and I'm so appreciative. I feel like every time I talk to you, I mean, it's funny because we're, our trajectory is like on, I had like littles. Uh, you know, the last time and now they're bigger. It's like I feel like I'm coming up for air again in my mm-hmm. life. Yeah. You know?
1: <laughs> and I just found a book that Miss Hillary might have written. I had it out and then I put it away.
2: Oh but,
1: but I d- I do have a, a certain book that you might have written many oh. decades a decade or more ago. So. Oh my gosh, that's it's so cool. Such a I adore element. you both. You're both so wonderful. Oh. and uh, next time maybe I won't have these puppy eyes. Oh, <laughs> you know
2: what? You we can so all beautiful. we see is the glow that mm-hmm. you uh, have in in the gifts and the love that you give to to us and to other listeners i mean we truly truly we're going to meet in person you are in cali and we keep saying that and threatening it but it needs to happen but
1: and i can't well, believe we have it that that is just so
2: like well it's it's, it's dumb it's dumb. We're, Let's just,
1: get, we're going to do it very soon and we're yeah. going to invite some other we should have uh women together and then yeah. kind of come up with some cool thing to oh we will as a result of that
2: I don't know if you know that, but Sharon Silver, who we also interviewed, that was, she's a friend of ours as well. And Sharon and I have
1: met in person. Oh, for the love of Pete. I I had had a speaking engagement in San Francisco when she was sweet enough to come visit.
2: I've never been to San Francisco, ever. (laughs) Well. There, there we go. go.
0: Cricket, 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 listeners. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah.
2: And we're going to a, a certain a, a
1: airline that's advertising those $49 rates may just want to sponsor us. <laughs> there you go. Let's name it. Let's
2: name it. So, uh, Louise, how can listeners find you? Because I know that people are going to be like, okay, this woman's doing everything. I want to find out. I want to find out about the digital series. I want to find out about this. Sure. I want to be able to see all of it.
1: Easy. First name, last name.com. That would be the easiest way to do it. If you want first name, last name, consulting.com. That includes my sign language information, educational resources, which are, there's a ton of, um, and also information about safety. Those things that I showed on the emergency charts to help with communication bridges and just, you know, fun stuff, you know, or not fun stuff. You could just click away and if something resonates, great, if not go to someone else's website.
2: I mean, so. uh, we we just adore you. And we thank you so much again for joining us at, at this week for, on, the, on the DH effect. Uh, we're looking forward to, you always have something to bring to us and make us a little bit better and grow us a little bit more. So we hope that our listeners also have found something that inspires you. All to take action in your life, go out and do something kind for someone else, make the world better. And don't forget to subscribe on YouTube and Apple Podcasts and Spotify and like all the places Instagram, Facebook, that. Very cool. Congrats (laughs) Congrats. All of that. All of that. Thank you. But until next time, may you find the courage to live with a decided heart anchored by self discovery, high trust relationships, and belonging.
1: Thank you, ladies, very, very much.